It's one of the largest books in the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 7. We are spending the Sundays leading up to Easter, what is traditionally the season of Lent, in this prophetic book. We are hearing uh, the words of Jeremiah, which are, as we considered last week, often negative. Uh, They are often disturbing, sometimes shocking, but we come to these words trusting that in the end they point us towards hope and they point us towards Jesus. And so would you join me now in Jeremiah chapter 7. I'm going to read the first 15 verses of this chapter for us. Jeremiah 7 verses 1 to 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place and the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make make offerings to Baal and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that I was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen, and when I called to you, you did not answer, Therefore, I will do to this house that is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers as I did to Shiloh. And I'll cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. Let's pray. Father, those are heavy words to consider you casting your people away. This is such a strong message of judgment. And if we're listening closely, it will create a weight on our souls this morning. Uh, It'll make us want to run. It will make us want to find ways to escape the weight of these words. And so, Father, would you help us? Would you help us where this text is confusing to have clarity? 
But more than that, would you help us as we in our pride want to say that this text isn't about us? Would you help us to have the humility to hear your words, even when they are confrontational, even when they are difficult, and trust that they are good and that they lead us to life? We need your help this morning desperately. Would you give it to us by the presence and activity of your Holy Spirit? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are safe. I'm convinced that that is one of the most powerful sentences in any language. You are safe. Maybe I love you can compete with its power, but I think it would be a photo finish. The desire for security is universally human. Even the most adventurous mountain climbers spend a lot of time and energy and money on equipment and plans that will help them get down the mountain alive and safe. Every one of us in this room longs to hear, you are safe and know that it's true. That's why it is so tragic when it's not true, when it's a lie. I know some of you have probably been following the news stories that have been coming out over the past several years about the Dozier School for Boys in Mariana. Horrific stories because this place, which was supposed to be safe, should have been safe for children, in the end, wasn't. What a tragedy when that sentence, you are safe, is a lie. Well, the prophet Jeremiah here in chapter 7 deals with the tragedy of false security. The world is falling apart. Globally, things are totally, completely unstable in this part of the world at this time. The armies of Babylon march ever closer to the gates of the city of Jerusalem. But the leaders of God's people, they are saying, you're safe, you're safe, you're okay. And Jeremiah here says, no, you're not. That's a lie. And if you believe it, it will end in tragedy. It's a consistent message of this book. In another place, Jeremiah says, the prophets say, peace, peace. But there is no peace. So what about our desire for security? What about that very deep human longing for safety? Well, this morning, I want to take the risk of hearing Jeremiah's message, of hearing Jeremiah's honesty about security. And I want to ask two questions of this text. What is false safety? What is true safety? First of all, what is false safety? These people thought they were safe because of a place. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. The place of God's presence is in the center of the city of Jerusalem, they reasoned. Therefore, Jerusalem is impregnable. There is no way that God would allow this great city to be defeated and destroyed. And they had good reason for thinking that way. 
incredible promises were attached to Jerusalem and the temple in the middle of Jerusalem. One example, Psalm 46, a pretty familiar one, says of Jerusalem and the temple there, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. No wonder they thought the temple would keep them safe. That would have probably been one of the top ten most popular worship songs in the days of Jeremiah. She shall not be moved. God is in the midst of her. Jeremiah stations himself outside at the gates of the temple. And as the people walk in, whistling the tune of Psalm 46, he sings a different song. He says to them, your trust in this place is misplaced. Your trust in this place is misplaced. And to make his point, to prove his point at the end of his sermon, this section starts in verse 12 and following. He, te- he reminds them of another town, a town called Shiloh. Shiloh was Jerusalem before Jerusalem. It was the place where the tabernacle was. The tabernacle was the predecessor of the temple. It was the place of God's presence. And Jeremiah asked the people of his day, what's Shiloh like now? What's in Shiloh now? And the answer was not much. A pile of rubble. Not evidence of God's presence, but evidence of God's abandonment, of God's absence. And Jeremiah says, that's about to happen here. Jerusalem is about to become Shiloh. Why? Doesn't that raise the question of why with so much promise attached to this city? How could it be in so much danger, threatened to be abandoned by God? How can that be? Why could that be? Well, to answer that question, we need to go back to Shiloh. You can read about the beginning of its demise in the opening chapters of 1 Samuel. The sons of Eli, the head priest, were corrupt. They used their position at the tabernacle as priests to take advantage of God's people economically, sexually, and in other ways. They corrupted the worship practices that had been commanded by God. And then as Israel went into battle against the Philistines, they decided to take the ark, the symbol of God's presence, out of the tabernacle onto the battlefield. And they didn't do that as an act of faith or as an act of obedience. They did that. They brought the ark as a good luck charm. They thought, if we take this piece of furniture with us, we'll be safe. We'll win. That didn't happen. They lost the battle. These two sons of Eli were killed. The ark was stolen by the Philistines. And then as this disastrous news was announced in Shiloh, their father fell over dead. One of their wives went into labor, had a son, and named him Ichabod. Which means the glory, the glory presence of God has departed. Jeremiah echoes that story. And he says, Jerusalem is about to become Shiloh because Jerusalem is a living, reliving Shiloh's story. He says, you are exploiting the poor and the vulnerable. 
You are despising God's standards of morality and justice. You have corrupted worship by offering sacrifices to other gods. And on top of all of that, you are using the temple like a good luck charm. You are using the temple as a good luck charm. You are reliving the story of Shiloh. That is why God threatens to abandon this city. See, the temple was supposed to be a wedding ring. A sign of love, devotion, loyalty, and belonging. These people wanted to wear the wedding ring and continue to sleep around. The temple was to represent a home with God where they could live and work with him for his purposes in the world. But verse 11, it had become something else. It had become a hideout for criminals, a den of robbers. The people came to the temple using God, not loving him. And that's why he was threatening to abandon. They were using him, not loving him. You know, sometimes my kids, they will snuggle up to me. And I'll feel the warmth of being loved as a father. And then I look and figure out I'm holding my phone in my hand. And that's what they really want. (laughs) Now that's that's a silly example. And I know that my kids love me. But most of us in this room know the deep hurt of wanting love but being used instead. That is the pain and anger of God in the book of Jeremiah. He is the spouse who has been betrayed not once, but again and again and again over hundreds of years. And finally he says, enough. The wedding ring is now useless. It's time to take it off. He says to his people, I will no longer allow you to live with this symbol of belonging to me while you act in betrayal of all that is most valuable to me. And as difficult as it is, we need an openness to Jeremiah's critique. We need to be open To the critique of Jeremiah. Because people and churches claiming the label of Christian can relive the stories of Shiloh and Jerusalem. People who are Christians, who claim the label of Christians, can live with the symbols of belonging, but in ways that contradict those symbols. We need to hear the critique of Jeremiah because we can live using God, not loving Him. We can take His gifts and treat them like good luck charms or meaningless wedding rings. That's why what we are doing here this morning is so dangerous. 
Religious and spiritual practices like gathering for worship, taking the sacraments, reading the Bible, studying theology, those are all good things. They are good and they are necessary, but they are so dangerous because they can lure us into a complacency. A complacency where we take on the signs of belonging to God, but live in betrayal. Of what he values most. We can take on the symbols of love. But not live our lives in light of the calling to love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. And our neighbor as ourselves. That does not mean we must live perfectly. It means that we must live in process, in the process of honest confession of sin and humble willingness to change. You need to take some time this week and you need to sit with Jeremiah and you need to ask yourself, am I living with a false sense of safety? Where is the tension between what I claim And how I live. How do I use God. Rather than love him. Now. Those are scary questions to ask. Many of you. Alright I need to say many of us. Have a sensitivity. To that message. Perhaps an over sensitivity. Which causes us to hear that. And to think I'm going to hell. I'm not a Christian. I must be under God's judgment. Is there there no comfort for us sensitive souls here? Well, yes, there is. We need to ask a second question. Having seen false security, we need to ask, what is true safety? What is true security? There is a big old if hanging over this chapter, hanging over the book of Jeremiah, hanging over most of prophetic literature in the Bible. A big old if, and it's there in verse 3, and it's expanded in verses 5 to 7. Amend your ways. Change is possible, says Jeremiah. Turn from your idolatry and your injustice. Change is possible. And where there is an if, there's usually a then. What's the then here in this text? It's there in the second half of verse 3 and in verse 7. Then, God says, I will let you dwell in the land. Better translated, then, God says, I will dwell with you in the land. You see what Jeremiah has done? He's taken away the lie of the temple only to offer the promise of the reality of the temple. That's true security. That is true safety. These people had it half right. The temple held out the potential of true security, but not in the empty symbolism of the building, but in the true reality of God dwelling with his people. That is security. That is safety. 
And Jeremiah says, it's possible. But the people didn't listen. They didn't listen to Jeremiah's if. And so the Babylonians, they came and they destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. God's people were scattered around the world. And then after a time, God brought a few of His people back. And they rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. But not much changed. The pattern of Shiloh continued. And so another prophet came. A prophet who was more than a prophet. He was the Word of God in flesh. Jesus came to the rebuilt temple and He brought a whip with Him. And He started kicking over tables. And He chased out the merchants. And He yelled at them using the words of Jeremiah. He said, this house, which should be a house of prayer for all nations, it should be a home with God for all peoples. It's become a hideout. It's become a den of robbers. It's become a hideout for hypocrites. It's become a place for those who want to claim the symbols of belonging to God but live in the betrayal of what what matters most to Him. And not long after that event, Jesus points to the temple and says to His disciples, that place will once again lay in ruin. Which happened not long after Jesus' death. But like Jeremiah, better than Jeremiah, Jesus didn't leave us without hope. He exposed the lie of the temple, but then He took the reality of the temple, the true security of God dwelling with His people, and He applied it to His own body. He says, my body is the temple of God, the fullness of God's presence. And in doing that, Jesus broke the cycle of Shiloh and Jerusalem. He says, they will tear down the temple of my body, but three days later, I will raise it up again to remain forever, never to be torn down again. Jesus broke the cycles of Shiloh in Jerusalem. He lived with perfect obedience to the standards that Jeremiah talked about. And yet on the cross, the Father abandoned him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Father abandoned him not for his sins, but for ours. Not for his idolatry and injustice but for our idolatry and injustice. And he died. And three days later, his father raised him up again so that he could pour out on all of those who believe in him his presence, his spirit. And so he could say to them, so he could say to us, you will never be abandoned. That's true safety. True safety is not a pain-free existence. It is Jesus with the marks in His hand and in His side saying to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. And yes, our lives should bear the evidence of that belonging. Our lives should bear the fruits of the Spirit. 
A flourishing love for God, for each other, and for our neighbors. But because of Jesus, we can hear Jeremiah as critique, not condemnation. Those are very different things. Correction and punishment are very different. And because of Jesus, the words of Jeremiah become words of correction, words of critique. They expose our sin, but in doing that, they should then lead us to Jesus for forgiveness and for help. And to hear once again those words, I will never leave you or forsake you. Listening to Jeremiah with Jesus It's a little bit like going to a scary movie on a date. That's a romantic move, right? Why? Because when we're scared, we cling to the one we love. Or rather, we cling to the one who loves us. Where will you go in your fear? To whom, to what will you cling? Will you cling to the only one who is a true refuge? I don't know which sentence is more powerful. I love you. You are safe. Here's what I do know. God has spoken them both to us through his son, Jesus. And if we will receive those words, if we will surrender to those words spoken to us through Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we will learn to live loving God. Not using Him. And we will learn to enjoy the deep security, safety of His presence with us. Always. Let's pray.